All right, welcome back into the Plank Show right here on The Ref. But uh, Newcastle Casino top five stories today coming up here in uh, a moment. Hour three is brought to you by Roof Tech of Oklahoma, locally owned and operated for 30 years, called Josh Tucker to Roof Tech for all of your roofing needs, 405-703-4245. But I did have to kind of laugh at one story, and it didn't You got a chuckle? I got a little chuckle out of this one. Draymond Green wants a max contract from the Golden State Warriors. <laughs> By max, does he mean like middle of the road max? Does he have a buddy named Max or something and he wants to get him a deal? I mean, while I, I, I appreciate the fact that he feels what he's worth and I understand that he's doing very well when it comes to the, the world of podcasting and such – I don't, I don't think I look at him as a max contract guy, Josh Helmer. No, or anywhere close to it. Are you kidding me? He was so bad throughout this last playoffs. The fact that he or his representation would even think to put that out there right now is, I, I get it, make as much money as you can, but look, that's a little embarrassing. I mean, come on. Hmm. What, right. what, like one of his best games was like scored like eight points. Yes, correct, <laughs> correct. Um, but you ready to hit the top five stories of the day? Let's do it. Top five stories of the day presented by Newcastle Casino, where real gamers come to play. Newcastle Casino, uh, New- Casino, I like that. <laughs> Newcastle Casino is conveniently located off I forty four at exit one oh seven. 14 table games, including blackjack, three-card poker, ultimate Texas Hold'em, and Baccarat. Big story, number five. Number five. All right, this will be making the rounds today, and this will be interesting to see the reaction to it. Um, Nick Saban. Nick Saban has a new book that's coming out, The Leadership Secrets of Nick Saban. It's written by AL.com. Senior sports editor John Tolte. And according to one of the, I guess you could say, stories in the book, following the kick six loss to Auburn in 2013, Saban considered leaving Alabama for ESPN. I wish he had. Saban went as far as setting up a meeting between himself, Nick Khan who is the CEO of WWE now, but was at that time a CAA Uber agent, CAA is the company, and former ESPN executive John Wildhack. Despite winning the national championship in 09, 11, and 12, Nick Saban was interested in joining College Game Day. Saban is said to have zeroed in on the possibility of joining ESPN's College Game Day and quizzed Wildhack on a number of questions about life at ESPN, organizational structure, and if it was like working on a team, a characteristic that was of much importance to Saban. Saban ended up staying at Alabama, went on, of course, to win three more national titles runner-up this year. Um, Kirk Herbstreit had many of us thinking after that, uh, I guess later down the road in 2014, whenever he predicted that Saban would join a pregame show. Um, but again, it's obviously still very much he up had in the, air. the inside information that it almost 
had happened? Or was that just a leverage ploy from one Nick Saban? I don't know. I don't know what his contract situation looked like then. I don't know if he was looking to get out. Not that he needed a ton of leverage. Right. I'm just saying that's one way to be like, hey, let's get me a couple extra more million a year. Okay. Could you imagine? Could you imagine? Let's just – and again, I don't like to deal too much in hypotheticals here. But let's say Nick Saban, after that their, – their words, not mine – Crushing 2013 loss in the Iron Bowl to Auburn had made an announcement that he was stepping down at Alabama. You do realize what that coincided with, right? That coincided with Mac Brown leaving too. So there's there's another stiff blow to Texas fans who had Miss Terry looking for real estate in Austin. Apparently, Saban was more interested in being a TV analyst than taking over as the head coach at Texas. Yeah, no mention of that University of Texas gig. I'm scrolling here. Boy, could you imagine, though, what that would have set off, let's say, when Charlie Strong was fired in 20, after the 2016 season? Let's say Saban leaves after getting beaten in the Iron Bowl in 13, and... He's been on game day for the better part of the last, you know, four years. He would be mentioned for every single major opening that came up, right? Well, you know, Nick Saban, he's only 64. He's only 63. Still got a lot of spunk in him. Yeah. Well, if there's one thing we love to do in sports, it's put the old head football coach that's on the TV dais into any new vacancy. We love that. We forget how terrible the ending of most of these coaches' reigns were at jobs. Now, Saban would have been different because... Right, he would have been an exception. It would have been pretty unique. the rule. Like, guys like Bill Cowher, John Gruden, Jimmy Johnson, we conveniently forget how things ended for them. Well, not Gruden anymore, of course, but you get what I'm saying. All right, so how about that? How about that for a story today, according to a report out of um, the new, I guess, review of the leadership secrets of Nick Saban. Man, if if that if there's a nugget like that in that book, I'm going to have to go buy this thing today. I am I'm all in right I now. I bet it's so good. I wonder what I didn't get clearly from this is how involved Nick Saban is in the authoring and the penning of this book. Because there's been if if he's involved, then oh wow, yeah, it might be really really good. If he's not, okay. Big story number four. Number four. I'd like to hear more about his failures with Miami. I think would be interesting. <laughs> Which again, if you look back now, eh, what what not bad is that head NFL coach? You know, he won five hundred. The Oklahoma City Thunder have a new assistant coach. Chip England has joined the staff now. Nine point five out of. Ten times, whenever there is an assistant coaching change in the NBA, you won't hear it talked about. Why? Because assistants move around quite a bit. I think, uh, you know, conversations like Mo Cheeks and, and guys of that nature. But Chip England is a fascinating story because he is he is the shooting guru. And he spent 17 seasons with Greg Popovich – at San Antonio. 
He's been credited with the development of guys like Kawhi Leonard, Tony Parker, and DeJounte Murray, and even the likes of Richard Jefferson. He left the Spurs because the sides couldn't agree on a new deal. He had long been one of the league's highest-paid assistant coaches. He's had a long history with Sam Presti. Whenever um, their, their paths crossed in the mid-2000s, England came to the Thunder with the franchise brimming with young talent. Um, wait, hold on. I'm reading that wrong. England has history with Thunder GM Sam Presti as their paths crossed in San Antonio in the mid-2000s. All of that sounds really good. Sounds like a great voice, great experience to add to the staff. My big takeaway or question really, though, from it is, does that is, is there truth to the San Antonio and he could not come to a financial agreement, or is that more an indication that Greg Popovich is very, very close to the end? Probably the latter. I think so, too. Yeah. And – Chip England probably wasn't going to be a guy they were going to hire. And I don't even know what, if Chip England wants to be a head coach. But Arnie, if, if I don't know how you want to take this, OKC Thunder fans, but Arnie Spanier swears by the guy. So I don't know if that's good or bad. No, that is incredibly <laughs> troublesome. All right, we got a lot here. Big story number three. Number three. All right, NFL camps. Jeez, where do we start? Yesterday, Kyle Shanahan made it official. They're... Starting quarterback is Trey Lance for the 2022 season. Here's what Trey's going to do oh, a lot of good stuff. Actually, that worked out pretty well, but I screwed it up. Here we go. Trey's going to do a lot of good stuff, but he also hasn't played a lot of ball. And that's why we can take him through these games and still have a chance to win each game I feel we're in without having putting him in all that stuff because he does have a defense he can rely on. He will have a running game that he can rely on. And I love our weapons with our receivers, our tight ends. And um, I'm really excited about our team here to where we don't have to go into it and just be, hey, we'll be good if our, I want to say rookie quarterback because it's his first year starting. But I don't think it's going to be all about Trey. I think it's going to be all about our team and we're going to allow him to move with our team and the kid's made of the right stuff and he has the ability to do it and hope the fans are patient with him. I think our team's going to understand that we got the right type of guy and they're going to see some real encouraging stuff out there from him early. Meanwhile, what does this mean for Jimmy G? Well, he's already been given permission to seek a trade. He made it a lot harder with the surgery. I think that's why everyone knows the situation we're in. We understand that, so we're not trying to kid ourselves or play any game. I think the whole league understands that. Um, but you also can't just give um, one of the better quarterbacks in the league, just make him available for no reason to the whole world. So, And the good thing is you can have those conversations with Jimmy, and he understands that too. So we're going to try to do the best for both sides. Um, but there's things we've got to work through. And it starts with getting the physical today by our doctors, which um, I expect that to go well, just like it did with his doctor. We'll see how fast this goes. It did. He was cleared. But then again, though, too, he wasn't going to not be cleared whenever they're trying to trade him. <laughs> Jimmy G's cleared. Yeah, okay, uh, go trade for him. Cost you $25 million. I like how everyone just f conveniently now figure that out. That's my favorite. We're, we've been yelling. I feel like Jason Smith. I told you. I mean, I've been talking about this. A um, couple of other things in the NFL. Let's see. Cliff Kingsbury on... Uh, on Kyler Murray's workout bonus in his contract. These guys are professionals. They know how to get themselves ready for a game. They know what to watch, um, what they need to watch personally, and so I've never tracked it. Meanwhile, uh, Cliff Kingsbury made it very clear that he only wants to work with Kyler Murray. I have not. Um, when, when I watch what he's done since he got here, 
the first year and, and his development in all areas, um, all he's done has gotten dramatically better each and every year. And, and that's what I judge it by. And, um, I, you know, there's a handful of quarterbacks that you can win a Super Bowl with in this league, and we feel like he's one of them. And uh, I wouldn't want to work with anybody else. Okay, well, good. You should say that. Why was that question asked? <laughs> I think everyone wants to know why they committed so much money so quickly when they didn't have to, why there was the workout bonus in there, things of that nature. That's I mean, the reason they committed I say that much workout money bonus, is because I'm sorry, study bonus. The film the film deal. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, he's got to watch four hours of film. I mean, what a commitment, right? For an NFL quarterback to in one week's time watch four hours of film. They're really, they're really taxing him for his, his free yeah. time. The, the funny part is it's so minimal. I think most people would look through it and say, uh, okay, this isn't that big of a deal. But there's really we're all just waiting for Deshaun Watson news. Uh, meanwhile, Jerry Jones talked about Mike McCarthy and his trust and faith in McCarthy. One of the ones I want to address directly because I guess it's uh, the one that uh, I have the most sensitivity about, and that is Mike and him uh, coaching. I want to be real clear. He wouldn't be sitting here today if I didn't think he was the man to lead this team to a Super Bowl. He would not be, and I have choices. So that's not meant to be insensitive to anybody. That's a fact. And so uh, you guys write about a lot of those choices, and they were there for my use had I wanted them. And uh, no, the guy to my right is who I'm convicted about, have been. We certainly have had things we've addressed the way we've addressed them in the off season. I think we uh, have successfully put together a staff that really, from this vantage point, gives us absolutely the best chance with our makeup and our team to uh, get to the ultimate success. Okay. Um, though that is kind of weird. Everyone got mad where he's like, and I do have options. Well, he did. I mean, I, I've never understood – Everyone demanding and wanting honesty in this. You need to be honest. And then whenever you are honest, you're like, gosh, why would you ever say that? It's like, well, he's being honest with you. So I got tons more from the NFL. But I camps are here. We're going to be all over it. We're waiting on a Deshaun Watson decision. But as it stands right now, he's at training camp and Baker's in a competition in Carolina with Sam. Big story number two. Number two. Uh, your big takeaway. I mean, we spent the first segment wondering why Kevin Warren would show his hand, according to a report in The Athletic, of the teams that the Big Ten is targeting for expansion. I, I don't get that. I don't, I don't understand why they would not include Clemson in that list or Virginia or North Carolina. But what was for you? You you spent all night last night pouring through all the Big Ten stuff. Any big takeaways that caught your eye or ear? Oh, I just think Scott Frost in general, his situation is fascinating in the way that he handled being the man on the hot seat. You know, if uh, you look at just the CBS Sports every year does their coaches' hot seat ratings, there were two guys that had – scolding hot seats and Scott Frost obviously is one of those guys so just listening to him answer the questions about uh, dude uh, you got to win this season how do you feel about that I thought that was interesting all all of the Kevin Warren conversation about what the future of the Big Ten looks like those are probably the two things from Big Ten media days that have jumped out the most so far Um, Michigan can they can they duplicate what happened uh, last season, I think that's intriguing. Minus Aiden Hutchinson. Our goals would be to beat Ohio State and Michigan State in the same year, win the Big Ten championship, and win the national championship. Those are our four goals. 
Have have there been entitled players, Jim Harbaugh? Our guys from uh, literally days after our final game last year have been at work attacking everything they do. There's been zero entitlement the entire offseason and now and none really in the foreseeable future. So life is good. Today a little bit more of a laid-back day. James Franklin is uh, at the dais as we speak. Hmm. Um. Which gets us, I guess, to big story number one. Number one. Number one. Number one. We've spent a lot of time today on Oklahoma Sooner football. A lot of time. And we are in the middle of what, Josh Helmer? We are in the middle of talking and watch list season. And in watch list season, the Sooners have added a few more. Now, just to go ahead and keep you caught up if you've missed anything, you have our updated watch list total. I've got the updated watch list total. Thank you for that. Dylan Gabriel, Maxwell Award watch list, Davey O'Brien Award watch list. Eric Gray, Doak Walker Award watch list. Anton Harrison, late yesterday, Outland Trophy watch list. Fred Bolitnikoff Award watch list for Marvin Mims. David Aguebu is on the Butkus Award watch list. Braden Willis is on the Mackey Award watch list. And newly added this morning to the Ray Guy Award watch list is one Michael Turk. So add Turk to watch list season. And I don't know if it's been officially announced yet, but it looks as if Oklahoma is targeting next week, early next week, maybe Tuesday for OU for Media, media Days. days. I don't know if it's been official, official yet, but it is definitely, definitely out there. And we will have boots on the ground? Well, hopefully both of us. That'd be great. We'll be out there because I think you're going to have to be out there. You're going to have to be out there because here's the plan. Is My understanding is they're going to have assistants at the dais talking, and they're going to have other areas where players, hopefully we can be in another area and then have that connection to where if we want to go listen to the assistants, we can too. But I believe Brent Venables is going to speak during our show. Okay. I mean, so can we just broadcast from over there? Is that's that going to be a saying. possibility? Yeah, that's what the hope is. But until they officially, officially announce it, I don't know if anyone is. I think it's secret time, as mm. Burt Kreischer would say, secret time. But we'll find out, and we'll have an answer for I you. I mean, Tuesday's not too far away. Today is Wednesday, so that would make it six days away. By the way, I updated the counter. It is officialized down to the second. We are 38 days, three hours, eight minutes straight up. How far away does that put us from the scene setter? 38 days. Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. That would actually be, because Toby drops the scene setter on Saturday, on Friday morning, right, on his show. Yes, so that would be 37 days? <laughs> 37 days and something. All right, quick break. It's Plank Show. When we come back, uh, we'll hit the Air Comfort Solutions text. Josh has a special guest joining us after the bottom of the hour right here on the Home Soon Fans. All right, welcome back into the Plank Show right here on The Ref with Josh Helmer. I'm Chris Plank. Hmm. We got so much to get to, dude, and we're running out of time. Running out of real estate. Can I, can Sorry, I, ladies and gents. We've had a, a couple of texts on this, and I just want to give you my theory on the Kyler Murray thing. Okay. Um, sorry, my throat cleared out here. Forgiven. Thank you for apologizing. The uh, plank. What is your opinion on the Kyle, on the clause in Kyler's contract that he was mandated film study four hours a week? Is this a contract leak and a black eye for Kyler Murray? And then 
Uh, let's see. There was one more that just popped in on it, and this was the one that I don't want to say triggered me, but it brings up a good point. Uh, he says, why would they include that in the contract if they hadn't had troubles in the past, and if he doesn't, the contract defaults. It's not a study bonus. No, you're right. But then again, you know, there's all kinds of clauses in contracts for reasons that might seem simple to us. There is a for some there's hey show up for workouts for others there's um it it might be community service related bonuses i'm just there's all so i obviously one of two things happened here number one they wanted him to ramp up his studying but then again four hours a week ain't Ain't nothing. Dump button. <laughs> four hours a week. Ain't much. Is not much. And to me, if they're saying four hours a week, y'all, do you realize how minimal that is when it comes to time on your iPad and studying? I mean. Yeah, that's a loose definition of film study. Right. So I just, that's why I think this is much ado about nothing. Because, and I would be, I'd be willing to bet. That if you would dig into every single quarterback's major contract, there's something in there about this. Every one of them. Yeah, why this someone leaked is yeah, the interesting question. That's that's the question. Someone is angry about him getting his deal. Four hours of – think about that. For a game plan that is as, as in-depth as you could possibly have, you do four hours a week in a day <laughs> for most. So Right. Yeah, I, I don't – it's not much to me. It's one of those clauses that's, I think, out that everyone forgets about. But it becomes a storyline, right? Be Because it got leaked and the talking heads of the world have turned this into the big piece of the puzzle. Not the $230.5 million contract or the $160 million guaranteed that Kyler signed. It's, well, why, why is there the four-hour film study requirement in there? And I'll admit, the my first reaction to it, Plank, was, huh. They must not be real thrilled with his sure. commitment in the past to do just this, to to be a Peyton Manning, to be a Tom Brady, to truly commit to the craft of watching film and really how can I get better? Asking that question, committing yourself to doing doing the extra, right? But then I kind of think about this too. It's kind of exciting if I'm Cliff Kingsbury and I'm Arizona. If, in fact, there has been a problem with Kyler Murray and his lack of commitment to the film study room, are you kidding me? You're telling me that at the beginning of last season, halfway home, I've got an MVP frontrunner that has not been watching any film, and, oh, by the way, what can happen if he does? So, I mean, I can take what has been a negative plank and – Totally Look toss this thing around on Look itself and say, I don't know, that's pretty exciting to me. All right, and by the way, an update to the story that started this show, Josh. I asked, why is Kevin Warren showing his hand? Why is this report out here? What in the world does – is there a conspiracy theory where maybe the Big Ten, or as I like to re- refer to it as Fox, where they're kind of going after the SEC, or as I like to refer to it, ESPN – in, in trying to maybe create some issues with the ACC or whatever it might be. Brandon Marcello today, 
Is the Big Ten truly targeting Oregon, Washington, Cal, and Stanford in expansion? Kevin Warren, moments ago, quote, we're not targeting anyone. I mean, I really like our current schools, and I really like our two new additions that are coming in 2024. So take it for what it's worth. I said it seems odd that you haven't had a response yet from Kevin Warren. And now you have. And literally, as soon as he got an opportunity this morning, he at least attempts to shoot down that report. Take it for what it's worth. We're not targeting anyone, but if we were, <laughs> these are the schools that perhaps we could target. Uh, a couple of other air comfort solutions texts. We got a no. It was four four total hours is the number that was on the the report. And it's, it is just not. That's such that's a nothing. minor requirement. Burley Boomer writes: Imagine how savage Isaiah Thomas and Perion Winfrey would have been under Ted Roof, Todd Bates, and Brent Venables. Grinch blew it. Do you know? I will say it hasn't been. None of these dudes have been shy from talking about how they felt like they were misused. I was listening to uh, Max Olson the other day, and Max said that he, there were many times whenever you know he would watch Oklahoma and, and wonder defensively why Perion Winfrey was being used the way that he was. Now, it's easy to say that now. Sure it is. But, you know, there's these guys are going to be on the field. They're not going to be rotating out a lot. Kendall, I agree with Josh. Kennedy Brooks is going to be hard to replace. Smart man. Well, and then also if you think about it, Josh, the – even last year, we were trying to move on from from Kennedy Brooks. <laughs> I mean, it just it it seems as if that was a constant. Now he's finally gone. Everyone's like, "My gosh, we can do without Kennedy Brooks." <laughs> right, I know. You uh, you miss what you don't have, don't you? And then one more quick one here before you break. Oh, Mike and Edmund on strengths of OU football team on the field. Uh, tops on the list is a heady quarterback with leadership skills. And more talent than given credit for with a much better than expected overall offense and a much better defensive identity. Highly opinionated of this, of course. The team will be one of the big surprises in the country. Oh, and I got an answer to this from the 405. How many more commitments will OU take over the 17 we currently have? I, I texted Travis and asked him. He said, uh, I don't, can I say this? I hope he doesn't mind. If we need to take it out of the podcast, just let me know. He thinks the class will be around 26 to 28. I think we're good on that because he he joined us. And thank you, Travis, for joining oh. us on Locked On. Oh, was he on Locked On last night? Okay. And he said the exact same thing. So he's been on the record. I'd elsewhere. say 10 more than we have now, probably five before conference play starts, then late ads approaching signing day. So that's that's what you're looking at as far as the total commitments for Oklahoma. All right. Got a very special guest. We do. The the head women's and men's bowling coach for newly founded Southern Nazarene University's bowling program. The head coach, Mark Jeffries, is going to join us coming up next. Right here, it's the Plank Show on the ref. We'll be back with Mark Jeffries, new head coach of Southern Nazarene University, next. All right. Um, are we ready? We're ready. You want to do the honors? Why not? The man that gave me my start. In broadcasting, Ooh. Mr. Mark Jeffries is in the house. He's also the man that is going to be the 
head men's and women's bowling coach at Southern Nazarene University, a startup bowling program, couple of bowling programs. Mark Jeffries is in the house. Mark, good morning. How are you, my friend? Josh, I'm doing fantastic. And, uh, man, it's good to hear your voice again. You've come a long way, man. <laughs> a little ways from uh, the Z Preps days and eternally indebted to you for taking a chance on a kid. How so? How do you take a chance? Where, where did this start is what I want to know. Uh, man, what was it, Josh? Eight, ten years ago? Oh, it was Quite longer than that. Ago. I think it was like 2010. <laughs> it might be. Yeah, I think it is almost 12 years ago uh, when I was really kind of diving into the world of live streaming and we got hooked up with some great folks and we began to put together the Cox High School Hub and we were really the first ones from a team perspective to put together live broadcasts of high school football all across the state. Wow. And man, we had some uh, challenges, but at the same time, there's some great memories there in setting up, doing the games, breaking down, and then looking at each other going, wow, how did we pull that off? But we did. We did. We did. And that was, you know, my first high school broadcasting was was with Mark and the crew there. He's an interesting character, Plank, in that he's broadcast bass fishing for years and years and years, but he's coaching high school basketball as we speak, and it's your plan, right, Mark, for one more year to stay and coach basketball. But obviously, you're in the midst of recruiting and getting this Southern Nazarene bowling couple of programs here together for the 2023 season. Just take us through. I mean, obviously, you've got an interesting track record for your career. You're still coaching basketball, yeah. at least for the here and now, for one more year. How how did all of this come together? What was the genesis of Southern Nazarene University starting up a couple of bowling programs? Yeah, I, I've always been uh, in the bowling world. There was a hiatus that took place for about 20, 25 years uh, where I was really focused on the corporate world and doing my gig with UPS and trying to get my media company started. So I kind of stepped away, but I still remained friends with a lot of people in the industry and with uh, myself being a University of Oklahoma graduate uh, there was always this thought in the back of my mind that I wanted to get a program started at the University of Oklahoma. I was fortunate to have coached uh, Joe C's uh, both of his boys in basketball in middle school and became somewhat uh, pretty good friends with Joe C and I kept bugging about it. And, you know, finally he just said, Hey, look, Mark, you know, this is not going to happen. We got a lot going on. Uh, but I think that if you ever get a program started, you're definitely going to be the guy wherever that might be. And, uh, come to fruition, came in contact with, uh, the athletic director at Southern Nazarene, Danny Thomason had several meetings with Danny and Danny was very interested in what I had to say and how collegiate bowling could become part of the athletic offerings that they had at Southern Nazarene University. And it took us, I don't know, four, five, six months to get everything worked out, but uh, was very, very thankful for the opportunity uh, by Danny to, to take a chance at this and, and also the SNU president. Dr. Newman, uh, that was kind of an intimidating interview. 
uh, I, I, I was I was thoroughly impressed being able to spend an hour with the uh, president of a university, and uh, it was very intriguing. He's a very very smart man, and uh, hopefully both of these guys are very smart for hiring me to get this program started because it's going to be a big challenge. Uh, but the cool thing is, and we're very fortunate that I'm going to continue my coaching responsibilities at Blanchard High School uh, with one of the best coaches that I've ever been around and Coach Jeff Word. Uh, you know, we've made the uh, state tournament at the Big House the last two years. We've got a good squad coming back again this year. And to spend my last year in the basketball world, world with uh, the players that we have and just a great, great coach in Jeff Word. Uh, it's going to be a great way to go out and step on to my next challenge, which is uh, trying to get some players and building a program for collegiate bowling at Southern Nazarene University. So g- give me a little bit of perspective on just understanding that sports landscape, because I love to bowl, and I thought I was good, and then I saw <laughs> saw people do it. What's the sports landscape like? Where do you find players? Are there still leagues consistently? Yeah. What's it like? Well, youth programs across the U.S. are really, really solid right now. There's tremendous growth in the number of youths that are participating at the high school level, high school tournaments. In fact, uh, the last three weeks, the largest youth tournament that uh, youth bowlers actually have to earn a spot in, it's called Junior Gold. It happens once a year. Uh, This year it was in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Uh, They have thousands of youth bowlers that take part in this event spread over weeks at several different centers. So uh, it's like any other sport, Josh. Uh, There's a ton of tournaments that take place for youth bowlers. You hit the West Coast, you hit the East Coast, uh, you you tackle the Midwest, and you try to find players, both men and women, that are going to be a good fit for your program. The Crimson Storm. Set to compete in yeah. the USBC against schools such as Oklahoma Christian, Oklahoma State, Wichita State, who I know has uh, a prestigious bowling program, Nebraska, Louisiana State, Stephen F. Austin. Talking to maybe some of those prospective recruits out there. I don't think this is any sort of a violation for you. What do you want? No. What do you want folks to know about Southern Nazarene University? Why are you and these two programs going to be competitive? And what does Southern Nazarene University offer? for local talent especially that right there, or at least right now, before 2023, doesn't exist? Well, currently there are two universities that do have collegiate bowling in the state of Oklahoma. One is Oklahoma State, and then uh, kind of the premier program in the state of Oklahoma right now is Coach Hayes and his program at Oklahoma Christian. So locally, not too many options for a lot of the high school bowlers, and there are a tremendous number of high school bowlers here in the state of Oklahoma. So now they're going to have a third option. And that first recruiting class that we have at Southern Nazarene is really going to establish the foundation uh, on what we expect. And, and really, Josh, you know, you know me. You've known me for a long time. It's like coaching basketball. These players that we are going to bring into the program, this is about creating a platform to really gain the experience and knowledge for that next step in life where they're building character through the program that we're trying to build both on the lanes and off the lanes 
But bottom line is, is we want to get kids there that understand what we're trying to accomplish in the classroom, on the lanes, and really in life. And, and that's been one of the coolest things about me being involved with basketball and bowling over the years with the youth is to see them advance and continue their education, graduate, and then go on to bigger and better things. So it's not just about knocking down pins. It's about building that foundation, not just in bowling, but that next step in life. I love it. Plank, i got to be honest with you, man. When I got my phone buzzing last week and the name said Mark Jeffries on it, I was not expecting him to inform me that he was set to be the new head men's and women's <laughs> bowling coach at Southern Nazarene University. But lo and behold, that's exactly what was going on. Hey, Mark, it's great catching up with you. Uh, yeah. As always, and best of luck to you and Southern Nazarene University. Keep us posted on how things are going. And uh, we, yes. we look forward to watching you in this program, these two programs, grow in the uh, year ahead. And fall 2023 gets underway. Hey, real quick, Josh, if anybody out there is listening that's a high school player and they are interested in the SNU bowling program, just go to the SNU athletic website. Information will be there where you can get in touch with me. And, uh, man, best of luck to you, Josh. I'm proud of you. You hit it, man. Great job. Thanks for having me on, man. Mark, see you, man. Have a good uh, rest of your day. All right. Take care. Mark Jeffries. Had no desire to talk to me. Um, SNUathletics.com. I don't think he realized that you had asked the one question. I think that he thought I did. It's fine. It's bowling. I'm, we we sound alike to certain I people. guess so. Travis didn't even know I was off the other day. Um, and in fact, it's on the uh, front page of their website right now, SNUathletics.com. Quick break. We're back to wrap it up with the Plank Show right here on The Ref. You know what? I uh, spent a little time during the break digging on Nebraska a bit, just learning a little bit. And I'm so intrigued by Mark Whipple. Um, there's just coaches that, especially on the offensive side of the football, right? They, I think my door is open and someone's got a phone on speaker, Josh. I think that's what's going on. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's my last segment, Steel Man's Lumen, and I want to make sure he can race right in here. But, um, thanks. Yeah, I was <laughs> curious if the TV was on in here. Go I, ahead, whip. I, I don't. I don't know that he, he, there's coaches. Tony Franklin's a great example. This offensive guru, this genius, that all of a sudden he gets that big job at Auburn and the bottom falls out, and he's he's not all that. Yeah, it's Chad Morris. It's just it's, at some point, it, and I don't. I love Chad Morris to death. I'd go to the mattresses for him, but at some point, it just. It stops working. And I don't – you know, Mark Whipple, he's a dude that's been a lot of places in a very short amount of time, you know, since things kind of bottomed out for him as the head coach at UMass. He went from – in the span of basically, you know, 10 seasons, he went from Pittsburgh to Philadelphia to Miami to – Cleveland to back to UMass. I mean, it's just there. And honestly, in that, you know, he's had some success. But, man, you're turning over an offense and you're giving up your play calling to a guy that, I mean, let's face it, hasn't has had really one good season. It was last year. And he took advantage of it. Doesn't run the football much. And you're going to put the – Ball in the air with Casey Thompson or Brock Purdy's 
I almost said son, brother. You're gambling on your professional future here. I yeah. mean, this is it for Scott Frost. It's just, it's, it's a great article in the Athletic that just dropped about. Hey, Trev Albers showed up at Big Twelve at Big Ten Media Day, and it's just, it's, it's dicey, man. It's dicey, and I feel I mean, they might be really good. They might, they've got a chance. They were, <laughs> they were the the best worst team in college football. Maybe in the last history year. of the game, right? They were the best bad team we've ever seen. But I just, in we were joking a little bit about Toby having him twenty five in the preseason top twenty five during the crossover. But he he might not be far off. It's a, it's a sneaky good roster with a very interesting team. I think they've got a chance to to do some damage. Sean Mathis, nice addition that they got up front from TCU. I completely forgot about him going out there. It's good. They've hit the transfer portal hard. A they've got bunch. A, they've got a chance to be pretty good. But you 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 worry if things don't go well out of the gate, oh boy, it could go south quickly. If they yeah. lose to Northwestern like they did at Illinois to start the year, oh boy. But if they win, they could be 3 and 0 heading into the OU game. Sorry, 2 and 0 whatever it is. It's going to be uh, Yeah, they better win in Dublin. Yeah, that's that's the must-win game. Kind of like last year to start it off against Illinois was a must-win game. And then we all thought, man, maybe Brett Bielema has got it going at Illinois. Then they go out and are terrible. <laughs> but, yeah, fascinating season. Fascinating season this year at Nebraska for Scott Frost. One of the more intriguing storylines in college football. Steelman and Thune are next. For Josh, I'm Plank. This is the home of Sooner fans.